You got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, their to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Counting it off. Three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Electric People. We got Coach D as the co-host today. Just here to have a good time. And you know what? You're the good time guy. Love having a good time. Uh, We're super excited. We're sitting here with pro snowboarder legend Jeremy Jones. What's up, Jeremy? Not a lot. How's life, man? It's good. Um, Thanks for having me. Just Good. drove down the street, actually. We try to make we so. try to make it easy for you. Yeah. Um, we got your playground here in the background. Absolutely. It's amazing. Best spot in the world, really. It really is, man. I uh, I got a list. You know, I have a list of these people that I've kind of watched that have influenced me, like over the years. You probably hear this stuff all the time, but I always say that kind of everything is like everything, and I see that a lot of your career, a lot of the things that I've seen you do from uh, from an industry standpoint. Um, relate directly to what our sales force does. So we're, we're primarily a direct sales channel, mm-hmm. and we've got guys out that are that are covering the country selling renewable power, right? And I it's think kind you've of, knocked on my door for sure. <laughs> I've knocked on your door? Nah, not you, personally. We would have had a conversation. We would have had a conversation. You would have remembered <laughs> that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but, uh, really? The guys have come by? I think so, yeah. Maybe not for the... No, for the solar. Well, yeah. do you have solar yeah, panels on your roof currently? No. Then it wasn't us. Yeah. Just we kidding. never. <laughs> we the never confidence miss. is good. Never miss. Never miss. <laughs> we never miss, dude. We never miss. No, you would have gotten a different deal on that one. But anyway, um, appreciate you sitting down. So for for some of our guests that haven't followed professional snowboarding, um, and if it's maybe talk us through the early days because you're you're um, what 21, 22 years into your career now, right? Uh, yeah, well, video parts, I did like 21 years straight, and so the career kind of spans both ends of that a few years, so we're, you Which know, is 25 crazy. plus. Like, how long do you think most professional snowboard careers are? Five years. Yeah. Yeah, seven's like a long one, I would think. And they're, I don't think they're really getting any longer, there's just always a handful of people, I think, that will run those long ones, mm-hmm. but. So you're like the Tom Brady of snowboarding. So You're put like, like help me out with Tom Brady a little bit. He's Not a football a huge, player. I know that. Okay. So he's I do really, know that. So he he's he's but prolonged like, his career longer so than anyone else. So he's the old dude, right? He's the old dog. Yeah. How okay. old is Brady? Um, forty-two, I think. Yeah. So I've heard him getting like torn apart for being old and that, and so I of course but he's, respect but he's, that. But he's but he's but he's a ripper. But he wins. He, he hands wins, down. Right? He's the best. Yeah, like yeah. there's he's undisputed. They try to call him a cheater because he wins. That's yeah. right. Legitimately. That's what happens. So I mean, yeah. just to like explain myself, that was a compliment. Thank you. Yeah, you're. Really <laughs> <appreciated>. <laughs> so walk us through kind of the early days of snowboarding. One of the things I've, I'm a fan of in your career is is the industry has changed so much. Like I'd imagine action sports has changed kind of like the music industry, right? Like I remember getting. I remember watching your stuff on like, even when I was in college, on like VHS tapes, right? Mm. The world now is completely different. So talk about, and I think it's kind of, a lot of our audience might not know how famous you actually were in those early days, like before people could see your day-to-day on social media and stuff like that. So try to give us like a picture of what life was like. Well, for me, it was, um, I mean, I was just doing it, right? Like there was a lot of passion, um, 
I was just following a dream that it was essentially something that I was told I couldn't do, which to me always generated momentum in, my, in myself. Like it powered me through just like my own issues, you know? And told you couldn't do it by like teachers, parents, family? Yeah, like teachers, parents, family, just because they had never seen it. It wasn't that they didn't, you know, my parents, I think they believed in me as, as just their son, you mm-hmm. know, to wanted me to be probably whatever I wanted to be, maybe, but, but, to, but to say snowboarding. That's not a career. No, exactly. Well, especially back then, right? Yeah, it was just, it was confusing. It was scary, you know, for, for parents, I think, to look at. And so, I don't know, starting there was just, I think it just trained me a lot because there was, a lot of it was unknown. So I just learned unknown space. I learned how to move through unknown space comfortably. And I learned how to take hits. I learned how to just, I was constantly being told no. I mean, straight up, that's what it was. It was so you're the type, are you the type of person that when someone tells you you can't do something, that's fuel, that's motivation to, to It was it? at the time. Um, still a little bit, just because it's sort of a foundational, mm-hmm. I think, characteristic. But, you know, it, but it's also in what it is. It's like, you tell me I can't do something with my body and my mind, then I'll prove you wrong. You tell me to, that I can't, you know, knock on 100 doors, you're probably right. Like right there, you know, I might switch out and because I don't, I don't have a drive there. I don't have mm-hmm. a passion there. Like for me to now to watch someone sell something and I'm just like drawing a scenario yeah, here. Yeah, like if you that. watch someone sell something that's really good at it, then I'm like, I respect that because it, it becomes less of a sales pitch and it becomes more of like you're disarming somebody you're being real to them and then you show them a product that you believe in and if you have passion behind that product then yeah you you like you earned my respect you earned it's me art, as a client right it's, it's art. art it's expression it's, it's like it's like comparing what you do to like snowboarding like you're not you do it different than everybody else well yeah right? it's really fun to watch somebody do something they're really good at because it's just different than watching, you know, somebody just do something. Absolutely. Well, and that's why we were searching at the like at the shops for the for the cassette tapes to like yeah. to watch this guy, right? That's right. Yeah. The uh, it's funny though because I remember when I first started, uh, you know, at school at BYU down here, mm-hmm. and I had met some guys when I started direct sales. I didn't know anybody that had been successful in like the kind of the door-to-door hustle. I just, it wasn't a thing really yet. It wasn't a successful thing yet. It just door-to-door wasn't really a, a career. Yeah, and my dad, right. Right. You know, my dad is an executive That's a high banker. school hustle. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> right? Like, do people still do that, right? And yeah. I remember talking to my dad and being like, hey, I've got this opportunity. And it was similar. It was like, it was confusing. Mm-hmm. You know, my, and my parents didn't want their son to get scammed or screwed or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. invest time and energy and not have it work out. So it's pretty similar, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming, right? So in the early days, I mean, I, to me, snowboarding felt like it didn't exist, and then all of a sudden, it was the biggest thing ever. Was it actually like that? Yeah, you know, and kind of, I, I derailed a little bit from your first question, and, and in terms of like painting a picture of what snowboarding was in like those, I mean, it was like the Beatles, you know? In my early days, we were a forum eight. That was sort of our breakout team. That was when I personally became the pro that led me on the career, we had this team that was marketed. You know, it was, everything was behind the marketing of it. And 
we created the assets, we delivered those assets to the magazines, and basically we just said, here. Created a movement. Yeah, we gave it to him, we gave it to him polished, we gave it to him finished. And when you say Who's you not going to take it? Like all the magazines, photos, all the media, video cuts, all, all that, that kind of stuff. So we delivered, they weren't chasing us, and so when it comes interview time in the magazines and they're trying to slot out their seven interviews for the season, you used to be able to print seven magazines back mm -hmm. then, you know? And that's what you were chasing. It was always a year late. It was never this instant thing. And so that the landscape was very different. And everything was, you know, it just wasn't attainable. You couldn't touch it. You didn't even know what was coming out. And so when you saw it, it was like this Beatles type of thing. Like we would go to Japan and we'd have, I mean, it was insane. Like, like adults crying uh, and it. on their knees. And, you know, that was a real thing. And I'm like... <laughs> like a pop star. It was a pop star. And we were just this straight up like snowboard boy band. And we even started drawing parallels and joking with it. And we'd film on our trains on tours and we'd be singing like in <laughs> sync and Backstreet Boys and like lip syncing it, you know. And it was like we, we made that joke because that's what it felt like. We're just like, we're seriously a boy band out here. This is insane. And how old are you at that time when like people are freaking out around the world to see you show up to an event? Or yeah, a that was mid-20s, yeah. yeah, later 20s. And even then, that's sort of borderline getting old, but snowboarding didn't know yet. Mm -hmm. And then they started calling it old um, right about 30. And then that was a pivot. That was a, a point to adapt and figure out what to do. The landscape of videos was changing. It was becoming more you know, VHS was gone, it went DVD, that went real quick, and then we were like into this digital era that just was in the total moment. confusion. But the video part, that's kind of like, that's like your game stats for a snowboarder like you. Because there's kind of two, well, there's a multiple paths, but. It was. Yeah, yeah. Like the way I see it is, you know, you could be like a contest rider, right? Like your, your X Games, Gravity Games, Olympics now, whatever, or kind of the more like, free rider, freestyle movement stuff, and, and kind of the currency of freestyle was these video sections, right? Where once a year, your new edit would come out and it would show people kind of what you're capable of. Is that right? Yeah, that would set, you know, the gold standard, I yeah. guess. Like, and everyone and so, would gather together to watch. Yeah, and you'd get, you know, groups like us up in Farmington. It was like, all right, Farmington crew, you know, we all come together and pool our money that. and see what VHS we could buy. And a lot of times five videos would drop. And so you'd just buy the video that hit the shot first. And so when we got on the other end of that, we're like, we got to hit the shot first with the video. And so we start pushing that importance mm. because we knew what we wanted, you know? And so, you know, it's just that same, like when you come into something, you push it the way that you wanted it, the way you remember it. And then you put your twist on it and, and level it up, you know, like, um, again, how would you make door-to-door -door sales ink, like, dope? Yeah. How are you gonna make it dope for me? Like, when you mm -hmm. show up on my doorstep, kinda already want you to go away, mm -hmm. how are you gonna make it dope for me? How mm -hmm. are you gonna disarm me and, you know, trick me, so to speak, yeah. that, you know, that you're normal? My yeah. brother Jordan is one of my partners here, and he, uh, he has this theory about a captive audience. And he's like, if you have a captive audience, you have to deliver, right? Mm -hmm. And we've had, we do these big conferences, and we, you know, these, these teams are big, like these local teams now that these guys run. So the way our business works is we set up kind of all across the country. 
we have, they're almost like franchises, like, like just branches of the business. Okay. And they'll have a leader or two that recruit and train and build these teams, almost like little companies, you know? Okay. And then we compete with each other all across the country and stuff like that, but these teams now have 15 to 100 people on them. How does that competition work? Like, is it, because you, you, do you stage it as like healthy competition? That you're competing to these different way. teams? No. Yes, yeah, 100%. I mean, that's really, the concept. So think it's about, really good. Think about, that's Jason's job. Jason's <laughs> VP of marketing, so he's the guy. So it's legit. I mean, our, our internal sales program has a, is on Team Nike, so it's, it's big, right? Mm -hmm. And we have a Lululemon sponsorship and partnership, and we do media behind it. So to your kind of like idea of how do I make this a thing? How do I make this great other than filming some guy snowboarding? Like, how do I make this something? You know, every competition has a has a has a name and promo videos mm -hmm. and highlights and the incentives are massive and we compete with people all across the country and there's brackets and there's there's media that comes out every week just to kind of keep people soaked on it. But um, I think the thing that's interesting is it's evolved so much. So talk a little bit about maybe how you stay relevant in a career where, you know, the average lifespan, I mean, it's probably five to seven years till your body breaks, which yours is broken a handful of times. Sure. But how do you have a 21 year career that spans through digitization of video parts that, that where, you know, retail is different, where the market's different, where the audience is different? How does, what are, what are some of your tips for that? You've lasted from VHS to Instagram. Seriously. That's amazing. It's insane. <laughs> It really is. It is. I mean, it's. I I trip out on. I mean, now I can look at it now, it, and it. I see it different. You know, through it, I was just so in it. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's. It's just pace. You got to pace yourself, and you you know you come into a scene. I came in swinging. It was like, all right, foot's in the door. What are pros doing? How are we? How can we be better than the pros? I mean, that was the only thing to look at, and that was—it's like, all right, the foot's in. Let's go. I mean, there, that was just it. It's all we wanted was the foot in, and that again, it's back to that just passion of, you know, and drive and wherever that came from. For me, it was just this kind of boiling pot of nose. So I was like, all right, I gotta just stew that up and turn it into something else, turn it into something legit. And you know, you, you hammer, you burn out, and then you're like, this sucks, snowboarding's stupid, <laughs> I don't wanna do it anymore. And then you gotta, yes, I do actually wanna do it, because <laughs> I like this, yeah. you know, I like that I'm getting paid to do it. I love filming, I love the creative process. How do I love this again? And then you walk yourself back and you have yes. to kind of play that game and and then you start, you know, I'm lucky that I've had the 25 years because I've really learned so many different paces and, and how to manage like my body, my mental, um, everyone else's pressure and understanding their timelines and what's stressing them out. And so once I start figuring out what everyone is doing around me and what my own pace is, you just find a better flow. And I think that's, that's the key is you just find that that zone where like injuries, you know, they offset you and it sucks, but then you find your way back in. And as long as you're just staying inside of what your parameters are that you sort of created in, in that pace, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just found 
a lot of success in there and it was you know it's me just hacking through like what I'm good at what I suck at and where I need other people's help and you know just plugging it in it's just being a director of your own really yeah (laughs) How did you not wander? Hold on, that's a t-shirt you should make. Well, right. I want director <laughs> of my own. I actually want bomb hole, but I'll do that too. Um, how'd you not wander? Like, I, I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm thinking about snowboarding and I'm uh, not personally like I'm gonna go snowboard. I do snowboard, but I'm listening and I'm thinking about like snowboarding as like a career and I'm, you know, five to seven years is the average. You're in it 25 years. Like, how did you not wander? from that how'd you not think okay what's the next thing where am I going now I mean I did and and in and I even tried to create little things like I did some wandering inside of it and you know but I I'm I'm different like I backed almost backed myself into my own like snowboarding corner of in a place that no one's been because I'd filmed video parts that consistently for that many years I don't think anyone's has like 21 video parts. No, yeah, parts that's the consistent. stat that I've heard you say you're most proud of is 21 video parts, 21 consistent years. Yeah. And that sounds okay, but it's like there's injury, there's marriage, there's kids, yeah. there's industry change, there's, there's changes in sponsors. In the yeah, sponsors. There's, yeah. you know what I'm saying? There's yeah, beef, there's no, bad like, seasons. I, like, I can't believe it when yeah. I, you know, and that that's why it becomes a stat that I think is worth talking about because. I could tell you I got, you know, I don't even know, what did I, what's an award I got? Writer's Choice Award for a magazine or something. And I got to go on stage and they gave me a little, you know, glass plaque and it says it in the year. And I'm like, I didn't really do anything for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just was snowboarding and all the people were reading the magazines and they all threw in their vote and thought I was, I was cool that year, you know, and and that's cool. It, it was like a nice gesture, but that's like a yearly gesture. That's like, thanks, thanks mm. this year. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's just kind of your kudos for the season, which is cool, but that just doesn't, to me, it doesn't accumulate. Like, it's not just not an accolade. Like, an accolade's like, what does it look like? Yeah, you made a you difference. Know, end to end. Like, yeah, what's what the difference? Sales rep, he would be, huh? Yeah. <laughs> there's different, there's different, like, uh, you know, like, like, characters on a sitcom yeah there's like those in our sales offices yeah. i'm sure right? yeah. so there's like that's the guy sick. that needs to put adderall and like on his cereal and ah, go for it and then there's the guy that's like pretty relaxed and then there's the rhythm guy your rhythm yeah, guy i'm a rhythm guy yeah you're well, rhythm nice. guy you're the one that like, like you go it. up and down a little bit but you stay here well, not too stoked when you sell career. not too bummed when you don't yeah. and those guys last forever do they the, i mean yeah. i guess that that would make sense because it's you know, you just have to discover what the highs and lows are. And then that management's everything in between. And I keep telling my, you know, is I, I built a, a talk around an accident that I had, that avalanche. And I, I was doing some speaking. It was a therapy thing for me to kind of create that deck. I didn't know how to do that kind of like desk work, you know. And so I was putting some time in. And, and then my brain started thinking in that structure. And so I'm always thinking of different like, What's this? What's this keynote gonna sound like? Yeah. Like, what's the message here? You know, yeah. came up with this stingray one, and it's still pretty rough. But me and my wife have both been stung by a stingray. Oh, really? Have you ever been stung by a stingray? No, no. I've been lucky. So fed one. That is the worst pain I've ever felt. That's what felt. people say. And don't they often like get you like in the Achilles? Like they kind of like you step on them and they jam you, right? Mine hit me right in the Achilles, yeah. the right Achilles. 
and I was in Oceanside, uh -huh. and I just caught such a good wave, and I was, no joke, walking back in. And then all of a sudden, I was hearing this ringing in my ears, and the only thing I could think of that had happened was a train hit me. The only, that was my thought. I was You're like, kidding me. how did I just get, I'm in the ocean. How did a train just hit me? And then I like flashed and I could see where I was and I was like, what happened? And I, I couldn't still feel and I tried to walk. I got to the, out of the water and the, my Achilles was just gushing purple blood. And I was like, I had no idea what happened. I didn't even know about stingrays. And then I You're went to, to shuffle, it was man. Dogger's house. To shuffle yeah, I didn't know water, about dude. shuffling. <laughs> There's a shuffle. You got a shuffle. There's a shuffle. Those, shuffle, those, shuffle, those stingrays, they sit in like an inch of water and you can't see them because they kind of go, the sand kind of sets over them. I've stepped on one once and then I felt it slip away so and I thought it was going to get times. me. Yeah. But you're supposed to kind of kick your feet because then they scoot away. But you don't ever want to because you never actually get stung. No, the shuffle now. Yeah. Definitely shuffle, yeah. especially <laughs> if you're in that Encinitas Oceanside <laughs> yeah, zone. Yeah. But yeah, and then I, I went to Mac Dog's house that he was renting up the street. We were editing Shakedown and Nixon oh, Jib wow. Fest number three that so year. So it was like 2003, yeah. two, yeah. And I just laid in, this, in the tub like a crack addict <laughs> detoxing for like seven hours. Because it just injected and like venom into you. I thought whatever. I was gonna die. I was like peeing on it, doing all the things like you hear. Yeah, you I'm just not, pee on it and yeah. it goes away and like nothing was happening. Like, you know, w the internet was what it was and yeah, yeah. you know, then I was doing what I could, but I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and then someone <laughs> help, came help from home finally like, oh, you got hit by a stinger. I'm like in cold sweats. And <laughs> so anyway, happened to my wife like two years later saying, and but we had a little experience, so I helped her through it. it. wasn't quite as intense. So you knew exactly to pee on it. Yeah, but yeah. exactly. I got you. <laughs> pee on it, hot water. I got you. <laughs> we knew our way around Google a little better. No, but she, you know, her experience was awful too. And I just said, you know, anything we deal with is like, we always have the stingray to base it off of. Like the and stingray's the worst. The stingray's just as bad as it gets. And so seriously, like there, there, there's our low. And so. That. You know, everything that we've dealt with. What's your stingray, dude? I like it. Yeah, like what's that. your stingray? And like, that's the title of my, my keynote, you I know? Like and I, I throw that to her and she's like, I'm not really getting it. <laughs> I always say, yeah. Uh, yeah, with, with stuff like that, it's like, it's like, you know, you go out and you, you, you don't sell for three days or, you know, you have all these accounts fall through and you're like, hey, at least it's not. The stingray. The stingray. stingray for you. Yeah. Um, talk about some of the innovation. Like I, I always remember wanting to see your parts come out because I think people that have a long career have to reinvent themselves. You have to, but you have to do stuff that you're excited about, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, I remember. Um, I think maybe the first time I noticed you doing it, and I guess now I see it's just after you film so many different things, it's like okay, well, I'm bored of doing that. Like, for those that don't know you, you're pretty known for your innovation in the street. Like you are. Pretty much you and your crew invented street snowboarding as far as I know. Was anyone doing it before you guys? There were. We had, you know, we had our mentors and, and kind of who we watched. Okay, well, I'm going to say it's you because I don't know who those guys are. <laughs> yeah, so we, he was your mentor. Yeah, we, did right, a, yeah. we did. We're, me and JP particularly get a lot of credit for kind yeah. of a resurgence and rebirth of it, which, you know, I'll take. I think, you know, it, was, it had mellowed out and focus was going somewhere else um we certainly didn't invent it but we well, it was were, kind of before we parks like they didn't have parks like they have now like no, they had some features all. but nothing like they have now and so now, almost even 
no features. Yeah. Like Big Bear and Summit were doing, you know, they were like carving out big bank slaloms and like surfy type of stuff. Kind of what we're restarting to build now. Oh, right. Again, a little more flowy and less linear and stuff like that. But that was about it, you know. So you had that. And then I remember that section where you did almost the full section unstrapped, which was like you were doing stuff that was way too gnarly to do strapped in with one foot hanging out. And I remember, you know what I remember thinking? <laughs> Is there's so much leverage at the end of that board that just a crank of that and like would turn your leg like completely up. Yeah. just like a big ratchet. Not on purpose, but I've done that too. Like getting off the lift. Yeah, getting off the lift, <laughs> riding down, falling, and then all of a sudden my foot's out. Well, yeah. and the, one, the one I revisited and prepped for this is this one that's playing now, but where you pull this wench out of the storage unit yeah. and literally did the whole section and just getting like winched around, which is insane. Nobody was doing stuff like that back then. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, again, that's just an yeah, evolution. Cool. And so to, to kind of your point, like we, we kept running into these things that we had to evolve and it was... And it was just in the progression of how where we were taking street and you know we wanted i would think of a trick i wanted to do and then i would look for the obstacle to do the trick on in my head i would kind of frame up how it would need to be done and then i would just see the spot and i'm like okay there's the trick and then it was also the other way around a lot of times you'd have i'd kind of just see a spot and then i had you know a bunch of tricks that I could just go pull from and be like, oh, this is, this is going to work nice here. And so, you know, it, yeah, the one foot thing was, was fun. And I don't know how it never, I couldn't do it anymore. Now with all the metal in my leg, when I have in so one high foot, risk, I'm like, man. it's, I can't even imagine it. But for some reason, I, I've learned how to bail. I learned how to get out of it. And I was doing this spinny board thing for a oh, while. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Those ones were the funnest. They like, that was the most skatey snowboarding's ever felt. Of yeah, all you had the, it was yeah. like it's almost like a BMX that had like the 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 neck that can move and your yeah, brake like cables. Rotor. Yeah, yeah, so he could jump unstrapped and kick the board. It would just rotate under his foot and then land. Yeah, so I'd it. do that, and you know, at the time it was it didn't take very well. I I took a lot of heat for that one. Like it was pretty kooky to a lot of people, and but now it's like now people are trip on it. Because yeah. kids are like, oh, we can try that. And then they go try it and they're like, dude, that's hard. That's insane. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe you were doing that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it was, it was scary. I mean, that was like a three-year kind of run of just figuring that out and then finally getting some of the tricks that I wanted to get. And, you know, like everything, though, I have those big plans and that didn't quite go. As, like, I, I still have tricks I wanted to get, but injuries... And then you're like, ah, never got back to that trick. And so you I almost have your those, section set up like, you know, now they have these Red Bull stunts or whatever where they're like, hey, we're going to do this thing. Or like, have you seen that video that Axel Hodges just made, the monster one? Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. But yeah. it's like they go out and they build these things and they engineer and then they bring the helicopter in. But your sections are full of that. It's like you guys got to go and you got to take your winch and you got to take your shovels and you got to yeah. take your flame, like, snow melter thing and like you would actually like build these tricks but the interesting thing to me is a lot of us guys so I've been doing this job for 18 years so I'm considered like I'm pretty ancient in direct sales you know um, but it's funny because That's I look sick I, yeah. well, that I've been doing it's it for similar. 18 years Tom Brady yeah, hey Tom, Tom Brady, Brady dude <laughs> yeah. congratulations you've knocked doors for almost 20 years <laughs> your 20 years is a little cooler than mine but hey Anyway, uh, it's all perspective. It's perspective, see? Yeah. But the, the interesting thing is when I look at what, 
like the guys like when I first started were doing, they were doing these massive numbers, way bigger than the numbers that people are doing now. Now the mm. income is much higher now, but I almost wonder if you see a little bit of stuff like that, like with your video parts, you'd almost think, okay, that was 20 years ago. The technology, the equipment wasn't what it is now. You were never wearing helmets and stuff like that. Would it be smaller? But I look at it and the stuff you guys were doing was massive. And in some ways it's probably bigger than the stuff that people are doing now. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Like, do you look at like some of the things, like do you ever go back to any of these spots and look at it and like, that was absolutely crazy that I did that. Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. I mean, even more so now that I've been a little rust, last four years, I haven't done it. Mm -hmm. Not like I was, and I got back in the street this year a bit and saw a couple of the spots that I hit and I was like, and they were like the spots when I was like cooling down. It wasn't even like the really, the, the real stuff I would stuff. film. It was like table scraps. And I'm like, that is, I would not hit that. There's no way. Well, it's interesting when you get sort of out of practice on anything. Yeah, and, and that's it. It's back to that, like, understanding where you're at. Like, I know I know I could hit that if I put in the time. Yeah. Like, I know I could get myself there again. It's just that, you know, what do I want to give up to put that time there again? And, and what's my payoff for that, you know? Mm -hmm. And right now my payoff for getting a clip in the street is very little. Yeah, you know, it's I mean almost nothing. It's like you're like just watch the video. It's just for me, so you know. And the consequence is so high. Yeah, and then right? when the consequence is high, you're like, you know, it is just for me. Like, what's the level of just for me? Like, yeah. when does that stop? And I feel like mine's pretty high. Like, I'll I go pretty hard just for me. Yeah. <laughs> and now with technology, like the just for me is like my little buddy. And there's a little evolution. It's like I was never someone that did skating and snowboarding by myself. Mm -hmm. I always needed my friends. Yeah. That's what it was to me. And then now, once I've rediscovered what the feeling is and the passion that I've had for it my whole life, it's become what I need. It's yeah. what mm -hmm. I need to go Travel. to work every day. It's what I need to you know, bring happiness to my family. And, and well, it is work. It is that's, work. Yeah. That's the great thing about it. And so I'm out at night, you know, I, I go to work all day now, nine to five or more or less, you know, and then I come home and I try to get it in. So I'm either skateboarding right. or BMXing and I've, I've, you know, patterned my life on about six hours of sleep and that's all I really need. And, or three, three's good too, like three and a half. Either six or three. It's kind of like over. Hey, you wouldn't do well with this uh, whoop. <laughs> like the longer, the longer I get tweaked. And so I just take advantage of that. And so before it was like, how do I get more sleep? Now I'm just like, how do I, I'm just going to get more in. And so that's, that's my free time. I just go out late at night and BMX the streets by myself and my phone films. And it's like my you. buddy, my motivation, yeah. you know, Let me not end. just to post, but, but for you, just to like, you know, some stuff gets posted, some yeah. doesn't, but it's definitely that, like, motivation. It's the thing, it's that progression, you know, so that I, and, and my adaptation to kind of keep going and, and yeah. doing it the way that I want to do it. All right, Jeremy, I've been meaning to ask you, I've been wanting to ask you this. So you have a son, his name's Crew. Mm -hmm. How old is Crew? He's 14. All right, spelled C-R-U. C-R-U. That's a Crew Jones reference. Crew Jones is your son, and Crew Jones is 
the character in the iconic 80s film, Rad. <laughs> it is. Assuming sure. that's by design. Yeah. Didn't I meet him at a park with you? That's what we're going towards. <laughs> so we were doing this. Um, this is a piece of Sunrun history that I think you'll appreciate. Was Rad like an epic thing for you growing up? Like It, it was. was. It was just like, yeah, yeah, it did a lot. Just that underdog kind of tone and just that local hero and, you know, kind of people telling him, you know, that same thing. They're just like, he had his his squad that was like, you got this crew, you know, <laughs> but then he had everyone else was just like, come on, you're such a Daryl, dude, you're so smart. <laughs> like, you can do this. Like, Daryl. Don't do, you know, don't, don't do the bike Darryl. thing. <laughs> yeah. Don't go go to war with Bart. Who's Bart? <laughs> Bart, dude, Bart Connor. So here's the deal. We did this um, big sales conference um, in Huntington Beach, right at the pier. Mm -hmm. And we had all of our leaders there, and you couldn't bring food into this place, and so we had to have food out just out by the beach. So we're sitting there on a Thursday evening, sun's going down, we had just finished this conference, me and a couple buddies are sitting there having burritos. And these two old school Flatland BMX dudes pull up right in front of us and start flatlanding. On their BMX. I recognize one of them to be Eddie Fiola from like crew stunt double from yeah. Rad, early yeah. GT days, yeah. and Martin Aparijo. No way. So it's like Jeremy and JP rolling up to you at Brighton. So they just, I'm <laughs> sitting there and they came right in front That's of me insane. and started doing this Flatland thing. And I was like, send me. Yeah, and I was like, are you? I was like, are you Eddie Fiola and Martin Aparijo? And they're like, yeah, no one knows our like, name what, anymore. Where am I? Oh. So then I said, I was like, dude, you guys are awesome. Like, they're the ones that did all the stunts for Rad. And I was like, I loved Rad growing up. And they're like, well, just stay put. Bill Allen's going to be here in just a couple minutes. And I was like, so he played Crew Jones in the movie. So I sit there, and Bill Allen rolls up on a Flatland bike, and these dudes are teaching him Flatland right now. So he's 50-something years old. That's right? insane. And That's so he so just pulled rad. up right in front of us and starts doing this so show. Cool. So I just met him, we became friends, and now Bill Allen has a solar system on top of his house. Sick. And I was like, dude, this came right to me, but it's funny because I know your son's name is Crew and named right after him. Yeah, and so now, to even bring this even more of a circle is when I started working for Woodward and Powder, Steve Swope is old BMX pro mm -hmm. um, that was side by side with Matt Hoffman. So they came through their careers together. Steve ended up being kind of the product manager and team manager and everything for Hoffman Bikes for years. Now been at Woodward for 20 years, so he's very laced into the the BMX scene, you know, and then Nate Wessel, another BMX guy, he's the, uh, one of the designers on our team, and then... Random. That's so random. we have, yeah, and so then, you know, now I'm meeting Matt Hoffman, they're coming to our events and things like that, and... Oh, this is even amazing. Even oh, more. Dear. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I wore this to work today. Swope sent me this before I was an employee because oh, they, they would do this old school. That's reunion. amazing. And then on the back it says staff <laughs> in bright yellow. <laughs> so I actually amazing. wear it now. So like, I got that me. before I was an employee. But And then I have a thing Steve got me, Bill Allen. Wishing Crew Jones, my son, happy birthday. Oh, happy 14th birthday. Epic, dude. The next generation. Yeah, it was sick. So oh, no, before you move on, he doesn't fanboy very much. But that day, he was hardcore fanboy. Oh, yeah, dude. That's it was sick. Dude. I watched Rad 7,622 <laughs> times as a kid. Like, you know that's, it. Yeah, dude, that's the yeah. deal. Oh, it was so good. I that's mean, the deal. That, it was good, man. That was like... Yeah, I mean, it was it was what I needed. For yeah. Sure. yeah, it's funny though how um, how things like that like people are so approachable now. Like, 
even to have like you, someone that I watched snowboarding for a while, you have some ties to my family now, but yeah. it's, it's funny because back in the day, the pros were the pros. So I wanna talk um, about your idea of being pro, because I've heard the stuff you did on the Bombhole podcast, mm-hmm. and I actually took notes in some of it, because you had a couple moments where you, where you sounded like you deliberately made the choice to be a pro versus an amateur. One of them, you can talk about whatever that means to you, but one of them is the, the shirtless 900 or the shirtless McTwist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the other one you talked about was um, when your relationship with Burton ended. So, you know, there's a real difference in our industry about with pros and amateurs. Some people look at this as a job I'm doing right now. Some people are even maybe even a little embarrassed by it. Yeah. Like they, they, they just kind of do this for now, but they don't want their in-laws to know they're door-to-door sellers or whatever. And then you have the pros that literally fly the flag so high and they have such deep respect for it because they know what it takes. So I don't know if that's something that you consciously think of or you just like said on that podcast, but I want to talk about your mentality on being a pro. Yeah, I mean, it it just started from the beginning, you know, like when, you know, back to when I said the second we got our foot in the door, it was like, this is our chance. So what's the level? And so we looked at Jason Brown, we looked at, Tonino, Brandon Ruff, like all the local guys around here that were like the kind of our same age and kind of on our same hustle and but a little further along and so but and kind of our local heroes too. So we're watching them and and we're like, yeah, they're really good, but we're I think we can be better. And that was our mindset. We just had something to look at and say, how do we better it? And so, you know, it was the it was just developing it from there. Like, what do we do? Okay, let's, we need to strap in for the first three weeks at Brighton, switch and load the lift. And we only unstrap, switch. Which is the worst. I've always said to myself, I need to do that. And then you take a run and you're like, I'm not doing that. It's the worst. (laughs) It was never fun. It's like you're a beginner all over again. Yeah, and it never really gets easier. That's the thing is like, it never really got that much easier to do it. But it had, but what it did was, it kept us all in the game mentally. Like we were all making sure we stayed in the game. Like, dude, you unstrap the wrong foot, unstrap your front foot, you know, load like the rest of us. And it kept us all like acting as a unit. And we continued that. That was something that, you know, again, that's how the winch developed. That's how, you know, the torch, we would just, we started packing those weed burners those propane weed yeah. burners, we called it the TZ, and Torchzilla, and that's how <laughs> we would start cooking, cooking snows. So we get the consistency we want, and we had all these names. Like that was like our cooking snow sounds really illegal. I feel like yeah, and we had, well, but we had all these drug names too video? because of like <laughs> so torching snow. Yeah, we're like yeah, it's, tor- it's probably in here. Yeah, yeah. I've seen torching the snow, and you know, it, and we had all the names and the layers. It's like all right, I'm ready for the Peruvian flake, and <laughs> and you knew what the consistency was if that got barked. You know, it's like okay, if you were the mixer, you know, other people were better at mixing. Other people, no, you mix it. I suck with this. But snow it's funny because when you watch the clip, it. Clearly, you're out in the middle of the night because that's when businesses and schools and stuff lot, are closed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or weekends or whatever. But most people don't do that. I'm imagining like a five-year guy, maybe, or someone that doesn't ever get to the level, doesn't do that. They don't get a winch. They don't get a truck. They don't get a, a torchzilla. No, they didn't. You know what I mean? No. They don't go out there, and it's like, you know, for us, it's like the hours, but the the mentality. That I'm really interested in that. Like, what does a pro do that that those guys 
don't, you know. And I remember hearing the thing, you know, when you were first looking with Mac Dog, who made all the epic snowboard films, how the first time you were putting together a section or whatever, you thought you had a section, but you only had, he, he cut you down to like three minutes. Yeah, just was throwing it all on the floor. So talk about that and the advice he gave you and how you applied that, because I think that's pro-level stuff too. Yeah, he really just compared it, you know. He like, he threw all the stuff on the floor, showed me the bit, and and it spun me. I was like, but what about all that? Like, that could make my thing a minute and a half, three minute part, you know, and then, and to me, that pays better. My incentive is way better on a three minute part. So I'm naturally So you brought him all these clips and he said you only have 30 seconds and you yeah, thought you had and he's three like, minutes. And I'm like, what do you mean, dude? I, I, I went to New Zealand and I put in all that extra work and he's like, yeah, the footage just isn't, look, dude, look, and he's like, side by side, starts comparing me to JP who was first year filming too, you know, and, but his, his stack was insane. He's not touching his hand. Look at Peter. He's not like wiling out in the air right there. Like all these little things, you know, Dogger was really keen to, and he'd just point him out. He didn't have, we always called it the Dogger stare. He'd just stare at you. He's just like, well, what do you think? Do you think it's good? <laughs> nobody, nobody can you know, understand the dog. And he's just looking at you, not even flinching. That, and you're I like, I use that in in my job too. Do I you? give people the the Delster stare. Yeah, and I'm I'm like, no, actually, I don't. Yeah, no. It's but aren't not you good. grateful that he was willing <laughs> no. to tell you the truth? Because think about oh, it. Oh yeah. I mean, it it set me up because yep. from there it was like. Well, I think I, think I knew he, what his standard was at least, and so next year I was lucky enough to film with him still, so I knew what he expected. And so I, all it was for me was to deliver. Okay, I know what you this can is, take deliver that, it. You can take that multiple ways. For sure you and can. And any time you get criticism or anything like that, you know, in something that you are extremely good at. Yeah. You know, you get that criticism, you can take it multiple ways. And yeah. it sounds like you took it the right way. And you're like, dude, you're not the one snowboarding. <laughs> you know, I'm the one out there snowboarding. Risking How, my body. Yeah, like, why are you just throwing all my hard work on the floor, you know? And, and it, you just have to let go of that because it's like, you know, there's misses and there's table scraps. There's stuff that's like that are total sticks, but they're just not that rad. It's just kind of well, when, when you're at is. that high of a level, right? It's like those would be great in any amateur circle, but the, in the pros, like when you level up to that mm -hmm. point, it matters. You know? you know, and to us, it way mattered back then. It was like it was down to like every little twitch and every little wiggle, and everyone had their own style, and so you had to work inside that that style, you know, to, and help them define it and just say, no, you're better than that. Like, I can see it. I can see that you can put that down without dragging both hands, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Zach Hale's a really good, he's like a new kind of snowboarder kid. And they came on, I used to tell them, I'd talk about this in the bomb hole and I'd tell them five or 15 was my joke. I'd say you have, and it meant five years or 15 years, what's it gonna be? And Zach, and you kind of mentored, right? Like I kind of mentored him, yeah. Looked after. Yeah, and you know, he would do things, and he put in such hard work. It was that same kind of dogger concept. It was like it wasn't the work that he was lacking; it was just the knowledge of when to turn it off, and the knowledge of when to be like, "All right, the work isn't worth it because the payoff's not there right now." Like you can come back and nail it, and I imagine it's the same like. Don't hit this street right now because it's not the time to hit this street. You know, you hit it when, you know, you kind of pay attention. Like, when, when does the time line up? And 
I used to tell Zach, I'm like, you, you can't go this big right now in the street. Your legs fold every time. You need to get stronger. And it was straight up like, a, like, hey, Doug, you need to get in the gym and lift some weight if you want to stick this stuff. And that was what I told him, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and he took it to heart and he started doing those tra the training however he was going to do it. He built his own thing, but it was just that nudge like, hey, it's more than just the snowboarding. Like your snowboarding will go so far in, in your ability, but then you got to level up your ability too. So you got to tune your muscles, you got to tune your mind. And I mean, sales has got to be the same thing. I can't imagine like what I would have to go through mentally to like tune my mind to a sales position. I know I could probably pull that off now because I, I just have a better scope of just looking at things and, and understanding that things take time, I think is a huge learn in life. Like nothing, no one got there. And coachable, right? Yeah, and coachable, like 18 years. Like you didn't just show up here. Right. You know, like some people show up and, you know, but really it's, it's a network. It's who you know. And unless you are just straight up superior, you got to just grind, dude. Which and no you got to really make, it known, make it known. Yeah. Right. Like no one's really superior. There's people that have like talent that helps them. But you, you, you probably know hundreds of people that had equal talent to you. By, right. Yeah, I mean, just people were, that have far better talent than me. Like, they just weren't as mentally dialed or their passion wasn't there or mm -hmm. their, you know what I mean? And how it came to them, you know, I've seen people, I used to feel like it was wasted talent when I just see these snowboarders, you know, that just had talent and, you know. Well, literally every junior hire in the 90s, their path, their, their life path was to become a professional snowboarder. snowboarder. Or wakeboarder at that time. Yeah, it was big. For and so, sure. I mean, you, you know, you rose from that path. There's got to be differences in the way that you approached it. Yeah. I think five or 15 is pretty valuable, man. Like to have somebody like you say, hey, listen, do you want to be in this for five years or do you want to be in it for 15? Because you think differently about that. You, you think know? differently. And, you know, Zach's with me a lot now and he'll, he'll, he'll bring it up every once in a while and he's, you know, he's had a lot of mentors. I, I certainly wasn't his only one. We all have. But, you know, he just, it rings to him. It's like, you're, you know, they look at me and they're like, I'm not going to, you know, what he's saying can't be false because he's there. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, at least take that and then do your thing with it. You know, it's don't take my thing and do it exactly the same. Please don't do that because yeah. that's already been done. But take my thing. Go innovate on it. Yeah, and just like, dude, I could only take this to here, but what can you do with it? Because now you know this. Now it's like, and you have all this other stuff that can add to it. Like, go, go be amazing and then give it to someone else, you know? Sometimes you're like on the 15-year track. Like, I want to be 15. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm doing five. Well, you yeah. think, yeah, you think like yeah. a fiver for a five. second. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. I'm going back to fit. I think you said this earlier, right? Yeah. It's like you have those. Ends. You do. And again, it's just defining what those kind of ends are and where, where you will tap out. And, and then I think it's back to the passion. Ultimately, like that's what drives everything. I don't know. I don't know anything any other way. Like for me to get behind something, I have to believe in it 
you know, I, I mean, I can, I can bullcrap some things here and there, you know, for, I don't know, the cost of selling out to some degree, but it's, you know, you got to believe in it. Well, let's or talk about or that. you can't sell it. You can't like, you can't sell it unless you believe in it. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a really good actor, but then you should just be an actor. You probably make more money. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, I, we always say that it's impossible to separate who you are from what you do eventually. And sometimes it's mm-hmm. hard to separate how you're doing from what you do, right? Like if you're, if you're, if you're not put together, which is something that I'm interested with you because I know that you did other things. I know you, you were doing like CrossFit style training, like a, you were up at uh, Jim Jones, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so you did different kind of training. I know you didn't party and during like the party days of snowboarding, right? Like you did make deliberate decisions that were different in the name, whether you did it in the name of longevity or not, but it probably sustained you extra years just by doing things a little different. Yeah, know? I mean, that was our thing is like, you know, people, there were two ways, and me and JP joked about it because we weren't we weren't the partiers. We didn't go out. We would do you know the thing until we were just like, all right, now that's our curfew. We're out, yeah. and and then we you needed dip. your three hours of sleep. Needed the three <laughs> hours of sleep, you know. But we were chasing. We were on a different. Like if we were on a tour too, our game was so different. It was it was always just about like getting it. Like we're here, dude. Let's go skate the parks if it's yeah. summer. Like let's. Let's check this out. Excuse me. Apollo Ono said that really that same point. In yeah, his, it's like you don't podcast. You can't do a lot because you're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. You don't have a ton of time. So I didn't get to see places the way I'd want to. But man, I got to skate some dope stuff. Even like going down the lobby, grabbing the skateboard. Me and JP just, you know, kick around the the city center right there, wherever we were for. Yeah. two hours it was like dude we just got to skate chicago so mm-hmm. like that's so sick dude yeah. and we were just like on our own we finding spots and you know i don't know it, i don't know let's talk about um you're probably sick of talking about the avalanche but are you good yeah all right yeah. i'm interested in that maybe tell the guys you, you're kind of at the peak of your i wouldn't say the peak of your career but you were sustained right you were still putting stuff out you were still yeah. you know what i mean like you were still like relevant and people would wait for, you know, there's the, the real uh, street or real snow edits or whatever. Like, and then um, what was it, 2014, 16? When did the avalanche happen? 17. 17. Av- okay, so. Avalanche, yeah. So that was, it's four years, yeah, January. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, 14 was when Burton kind of let me go. And then that's really where things just got difficult, right? That's like, when Burton like sort of went downhill, right? I mean, I think that's subjective, yeah. right? <laughs> He's got your You're back, this guy. <laughs> I'm on, I got you. <laughs> now they, you know, it was, they definitely, uh, I mean, I know I quit Ryan Burton's We're, we're changing but. directions. Yeah, me too. I, I will <laughs> tell you this, not to fanboy you, but I will tell you this, because I don't know how often people tell you this. I'm, I used to snowboard a ton. I was really big into it in college, and now I'm like, I just got like tons of kids and stuff and I work all the time. So I'm not as connected to it. Right. But when I now go in to get snow stuff, I still look, I'm like, okay, well, what are the guys that I know riding? And I look at you and I still see Burton on the bottom of your board. But then when I knew that you parted ways with Burton and I'm actually getting a new snowboard now, I'm like, I don't know what's nitro got going on. I literally like (laughs) still see it on the, it works, dude. Like it works, you know? And then like to, and to kudos to nitro because that's, that's exactly the reason that they put me on. Yeah. They didn't put me on to film a video part. They didn't put, you know, yeah. granted, I can't make a living off of what 
they're paying me as a snowboarder anymore, but, you know, hence the day job. But mm -hmm. it's, you know, they, they're just supporting the heritage of snowboarding. They believe that I was, you know, big enough of an impact in snowboarding that they're like, we want people we to want know. That. We want yeah. this name to just like throw around here and there and like remind people of yeah. the history of snowboarding because they, they just believe in it. Yeah. you know at that level and and I was cool with that that's all I ever wanted all, all I ever wanted was it's not making a living or having this free ride once you're done but I wanted snowboarding to support the old pros you know yeah. skateboarding did such a good job of it and I'm sure other industries do too but snowboarding's been terrible at it they haven't done it they don't you know, there's a couple, thank goodness, and the ones that should be are, I feel like, but there's a lot that just can't handle it. And they can't handle, like, the deception and the friends that they thought were their friends that were really just business partners, you know, and yeah. they struggle with that, and people just don't have the mental toughness for it. And that's any industry. I don't think you can dip away from that yeah. anywhere. What yeah, happened with Burton? It just just so was the with, time. Yeah, but for t for context, you were with them for how long? Twelve twelve years. You were like their core, one of their core writers. Yeah, yeah, kind of film and you, based. And um, you had pro models and everything. Yeah, pro mod. I had ten ten pro models with them. Um, Did yeah, you it was have the great. Board with like the donkey and the rooster and the I think it was like the sheep. That's the one I had. Anyways. He's like oh, donkey. <laughs> I know which one. No, that was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. Might have been a dude. I still one. remember the Samuel the Lamanite board. That thing yep. was so bad. One of my favorite shapes is that one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that was. They were insane. Burton was the raddest, and and they were my paying friends you big there, money. Like you were making like big money. Yeah, that's. I mean, I made my most money in snowboarding in those twelve years for sure, and the middle section of that particularly, like. It was really good, you know, I, I was on a good path um, and then the avalanche really shook things up. You know, it left me realizing that corner that I had backed myself into in snowboarding where it's like, I really didn't have an out in an emergency. You know, I had, I had done some things with my money that was keeping us from, you know, losing our house and I had access to some savings and things like that, but it, that was all like my own retirement for being a contractor. I was just, you know, we were on our way to being able to retire like a normal human and be able to pay ourselves a little bit of money and, and live our lives, but that four years just ate that up. I you don't know, know what, what happened when, why did they decide to part so, ways with you and how, uh, how was that for yeah, you? Yeah, so they, that was, to November in 14, so that's when it wrapped up. 15 was no Burton contract, and really just, they just wanted a different direction. I almost had it, you know, the team manager there, the brand director was, um, he had settled on a number. Um, the, the gal that I worked with that did all the contracts, she was, you know, on board, and then, yeah, they, it just got clipped from above them even. So a few other contracts did as well that were in the queue and approved um, less than they were. But Were you, were you mad? For sure. Sad? Yeah, yeah. I'm in all of it. I was pissed. I was confused, um, sad. Uh, the two people that told me I love dearly and, you know, never felt angered towards them. Um, I kind of knew what was going on, but it, it struck me strange. I had done, 
you know, negotiations to have a gig after I was signing one more three-year deal, and then I was going to kind of roll into sort of like an ambassador. Before ambassadors were what they are yeah. now, mm -hmm. was, we were sort of creating this ambassador role, and Dave Downing was sort of spearheading that, and, you know, it kind of worked with sales and marketing. It was bridging the two, and mm -hmm. it was a really cool concept. And so you had, like, the plan. Yeah, there was a plan, and, you know, that we had people behind it even. It was just, you know... I don't really know. No one's ever admitted it. There's a couple people that I feel like were the ones. I mean, there's only a couple of people that could have been that kind of was like, nah, I think we're just going to yeah. ax these ones. And, you know, they were in the position to do so. That's the thing. It's like, it was their call at the time. It is what it is. And so, yeah, just work through that. Uh, you, you go know, to a pretty dark place hustling. there for a while, or what? Like, What's that? You go to a pretty dark place there for a while, or what? Or did you quickly a bit. bounce back? I mean, I was, it was dark, but it, I was like hustling, and I had a couple little contracts going, and I was scraping. It was stressful, but we were still kind of pulling it off. And then in January in 2017, when I got wrapped around a tree in an avalanche, broke both my legs, basically, and then, and that was it. Like, I, I just didn't have anything you know at that point most of the contracts I had insurance like it cleared about a week before so that was nice um and then wow. my buddy did time. a GoFundMe and mm -hmm. that was amazing I mean that that took my family through a year I paid for my what family did that, uh, with that was and that hard for you to see a GoFundMe like in your name like was it hard to accept oh like, it was the worst I didn't really? I was so against it and you know fought yeah, it was. I mean, it was stripping down a lot of pride, you know, and, and trying to be like, I know, trying to understand why my friends were doing that, you know, even... Were you, like, mad at them for a second, or what? For a second, I was just like, you know, because I, I really kind of woke up, and it happened. Like, I went to bed one night, and I woke up the next morning, and I, I look, like, open Instagram, and there's this picture of my face, and then I, like, go to the link, and it was, like, already halfway funded. Before I even knew it happened, and I was like, "How much did it raise?" It was like sixty-eight. Yeah, it was grand like or sixty, something. sixty-eight, or sixty-five grand, or something like that. And bro, that's though that's like sitting in a different seat. I'm respect. sure it's hard to receive it. That's respect. But you don't get stuff. I remember the tag was "Give a care about Jer," right? Yeah. And I don't. I, you don't. You touched enough people, and enough people had respect that to have people overnight being like, "I got some money. Like, let me drop some to you." Like, that's, Dude, it was that's a special thing. It was unreal, and I I would just sob at night, like, because my wife would come and just read me the comments, and I'm like, I can't do it anymore, because she couldn't believe it, you know. And then we're reading these comments, and it's just like, I mean, it's like it was like 15 year old kids. They're just like, "Dude, all I have is five bucks, but I want you to have it." And they they would share like a memory. You know, or whether they met me or something that like struck them, and man, that is intense. And any time I can say thanks to that. in disguise. Yeah, I mean, it I mean, really your, was. Your legacy yeah, is yeah. like getting written out in comments on Instagram. It's a, it's unreal. Like I I told my wife, I'm like, this is this is what people that die hear. I mean, yeah. this is what people say at people's funerals. I'm like. If people said this kind of stuff at my funeral, I'd be like tripping. Yeah. You know, it was and like you got to see it. And you know, and I'm I'm like seeing mm. it in real time and that's like Yeah, I mean I don't even know. I still don't really know how to process it. It like it just it turns me up and I 
you know, thank you. I just, if you, if you were part of it, thank you. You know, it, it just, I don't know. Care for Saved our lives. Give a care about Jared, I remember. But the, um, the, it's interesting that you had the Burton thing. I mean, a career that was just rolling, respect, income, to have the setback of getting, you know, clips from Burton and then having your, I mean, you could have just as easily died in that avalanche, broke both your legs. Yeah. And so it's like as if you're not already low enough to get kicked down kind of again. And the break was bad, yeah? I mean, you were in a wheelchair for a while. Yeah, six weeks, non-bearing, and then, yeah, the rods are still both in their plate and the right one still. The right one still gives me a bit of trouble. I want to get some surgery there. But, you know, and then that's when the darkness really happened. It was like, yeah, those three three years until now have just been... Man, it was just a grind. But again, you know, what's your stingray? Yeah. You know, let's pull that up. It wasn't a stingray? The avalanche wasn't a stingray? Not even close, dude. No. Seriously, like, I, and I, I'm not, I'm <laughs> like, like, not really. like, I would get really... wrapped around a tree before I got stung in that shallow well, water. And, you know, you, in, in the moment, if you asked me when I was still sitting there with the tree between my legs, you know, if the stingray was as bad, I probably right. would have been, I would probably given it to the moment, you know? <laughs> But in, in hindsight, you know, the blessings in disguise, yeah. you know, they become so heavy and so important and so invaluable that yeah, it didn't even touch the stingray. I mean, I saw my friends save my life and, and perform things that I would break any bone, any, anything to just watch them just sit there and be like, yeah, do that again. Because that was unreal, dude, yeah. what you guys pulled off. You know, you've had a couple experiences that you usually don't get to see. You get to see, like you got to see one who showed up when nobody, when nobody had to financially or whatever. You got to see who didn't save themselves and went to, you know, dig their friends out on the side of the hill. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've heard the story about the cars not making it up and having a life flight and all that kind of stuff. And then you get to see who shows up in the six weeks while you're in a, sitting in a chair and there's no cameras on. Yeah. No, nobody gets to see that stuff. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was insane. And yeah, I mean, it define it defines you, you know, yeah. it defines like, that's where I started to like, look at my identity, like, what is it? And I started to even peel back. It's not snowboarding. I'm not a snowboarder. Cause I felt like I had to like, that's not what defines me, you know? And I was fighting that and trying to strip that from me. Cause it, I, people said that that's what you do. And I'm like, and then I just flipped it and I'm like, you know, I don't, that it's not, I'm a snowboarder. Yeah. It is what defines me and it is my identity and I'm a skateboarder and straight up it's my identity. And I know it because I know I need it. I know what it does for me. I know it, how it helps me construct everything. You know, it's like, that is what I am. You know, you can be a religious something. I'm a Mormon, you know, what, but is that your identity? Like it's okay to be have that as your identity, but not a skateboarder, or a salesman, or yeah. a door-to-door salesman. Why isn't that your identity? Well, if you've I, done it for twenty years and you you feel like that's where you've learned your stuff, that's and your that's life. like your life, and you have passion, like, yeah. what do you mean? It's totally who I am. And to listen to your 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 stories, like that took you places. Absolutely. But but not only not only took you places, it took other people places. And I'm who, who learning about that now. Hale? Yeah. Who, who's your... Uh, Hale, Zach yeah. Hale. Zach yeah. Hale. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're changing that life, and it's all, th- it's all through snowboarding. 
Yeah. You know. You had to learn to like move again, yeah? Like I saw the early snowboarding clips and I'll be honest, and I still don't know. I didn't know if you were like in some of those like messing around or if that's really how bad it was when you were starting to move on a snowboard again. Oh, I mean, snowboarding's been I mean, he's got awful until this season. And even I mean, but this you kind of had to learn it again, right? Like you kind of um, had to yeah, learn I still haven't. Like I'm I'm no joke. I'm like pr- learning three six backside I won't even spin a frontside three right now and is that because of um like pain is it because of like did you lose like like the connection to it like no like I have it in my head like you're like you were mentioning you know the other sales guy that's like yeah I can sell a hundred yeah like my brain can still do it like I watch this and I'm like yeah I can do that but we're like don't try it (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I can't like I know I know if I went into it, there's too many questions. Like my brain isn't practiced, my mental's sure. my mental's afraid, um, you know. And I weigh I weigh that is it worth it right now because yeah. I want to get somewhere, and so this there's a long play that's happening, and it's not this it's not even a seasonal play. Like I have some goals snowboarding, but they're fluid. It's it's almost just I'm just gonna push it and see how far I can take it within the scope of what I can do. I mean, I, I can't snowboard every single day. You know, luckily, because of my job, I get on snow a little bit more just to have the board under my feet. But I'm, I'm a weekend boarder, like every other nine to five or now, you know, or a nighttime boarder if I put in that extra time. And, and I do, like snowboarding's my thing. And so it's, you know, yeah. grab my daughter after work, we go up to Brighton, take some night laps, or she just got a job at Woodward now. So oh, fun. nice. Me and her have been skating on her breaks, and you know I'll just stay there and work late. You know, how old is she? She's okay. sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. How do you deal with? And is this a thing like to be like, okay, you are at the top of the snowboarding game, and now you don't do frontside three sixties? Does that frustrate you? Do you wonder like, why do I even freaking do this? Or is it one of those things that you're at peace with, and you 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 need the the activity, and you love to do it, so that you're doing it? Because I look at it. Sorry, long, long question. When we interviewed Tony Hawk, he did that 900 in like 1998 and everybody saw it. You probably saw it live, yeah, right? Sure. He did it on the 20 year anniversary. Do you remember that? Yeah. And he was alone in his like office. Yeah. And we asked him, why? Like everyone knows you did the 900, everyone saw it and you did it by yourself as a 50 something year old guy that could really get hurt. Why? You know? Yeah. And what he said? It was like, it's profound. I've thought about it a lot, like with my career. He's like, I thought I could do it. Like, I thought that I still could do it. And I was excited about it. Mm-hmm. And that's all he needed. So yeah. he tried it. Yeah. So he did it. Yeah. yeah. So for you, but, but he's also not, I mean, he wasn't in a wheelchair and he's not learning basic things that he's known how to do for 25 years, you know? There's so much to it. I mean, like, the drive is to get back to snowboard to a comfortable level. And, and then I'm excited to see what I can do again. You know, that's part of it. And so I take that and I don't know when that's going to happen. I used to set these dates in the last four years. I've had so many like, oh, yeah, by here I'll be good to film. You know, and I'd like yeah. make plans with people. And then I'm a month out, I'm like, there's no way. Like, it's still barely better than it was six months ago, you know, despite mm. all those those efforts. Like, I'm really working with something that's, you know, more paralyzing than, than I ever thought it was going to be. And so, you know, you just start to set 
the expectations of yourself like what can I expect from myself today and 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 to me it's feel like what I I, I just put in when I feel it and so I try to aim for weekends right now because I know when that's my biggest time that I can like get on snow and spend some time or skateboard and spend some time and not just like get some in because mm -hmm. those little night sessions are just sort of getting it to keep things kind of trained up you know but I'm also trying to heal because if I put in on a weekend pretty smoked so yeah I mean it's just do you think that doing it that now is like your fulfillment or is it yeah. are there other things there now that like you pay, that you pay no it fu it's fulfilling and honestly like if I don't do it I it hurts more like I have to just keep moving mm -hmm. we we always say motions the lotion and it's because I believe it like it's there's another shirt dude <laughs> like, you know the lotion. And I ride it on the board you know I had it on my grip tape for the first board this summer just get just, moving because skateboarding get... sucks dude it's it, so painful it's the hardest thing to get back to and it's the thing I want to get back to most I mean that's really like the base of everything but it's so impactful it's so sharp like yeah. the, it's it's all crispy there's no suspension anywhere yeah. you know and on your legs yeah right on your legs right on your feet right close to where my pain is and so I don't want to do it a lot of times I'm like I just this hurts dude yeah. and so I write motion lotion and remind myself that although the fail it's not about the tricks <clears throat> it's just about moving get out and move on the thing you love to move on and and love it you know yeah love the thing it's interesting though that that you know you had this this 25 year progression like this physical progression and this like like achievement kind of like fulfillment mm -hmm. but you probably wouldn't have had these mental and character developments as much if you didn't have this setback right like that stuff doesn't you don't develop when things are great right you develop when you have to learn to be humble and accept money from people and when you can't like stand in the shower so your wife has to fill the tub and like when when all of a sudden the people that the brand that you help build leaves you like that's right i yeah. mean is that the part where you actually like break through some kind of like barriers of the heart a little bit i mean 100% i just i think if you if you're under this assumption that like whatever it is 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 kind of that golden ticket of like smooth sailing you know whether it's finance whether it's a spouse whether it's kids um, security or just enjoyment, new snowmobile, whatever. Like, Tom Foolery, dude. <laughs> you're you gonna know, get let down. You're gonna get so let down, and you have you just have to have a perspective of like. Most of the time, it's pretty raw, dude. Most of the time, life's pretty raw. I'm. There's no reason for me to even try to paint this like glorious picture of it all because the. The happiness is is what you find inside of it and and how you kind of perceive everything that's happening in front of you I mean straight up like if you that's just it yeah. and you know it's back to that stingray thing it's it's just kind of this you know enjoy that time feast or famine seems to be the thing always and so it's in our snowboarding, it's at, like in our snowmaking, it's at. When the temperatures are on, you feast, you know? When the pros are in the park, you feast. Filmers are out there, like, you let other things go so you can feast on these moments. And, I like that. you know, 
it that's that's life life is like feast and famine feast when it's popping and just be ready for it hit hit fan because it's going to and yeah that's what you signed up for right? I yeah think, that's what I you signed up a for. a lot of people they they don't take advantage of that that timing no timing yeah. aspect of the feast well and a lot of times that feast is happening it's that growth you just discussed it's you miss that growth because you're Worried about you won't things. even feast sometimes because you're like, oh man, it's popping, things are humming, so I'm going to Lake Powell. Yeah. Like, because my life's good, we're chilling, I deserve this, like, I'm feeling good, trip time, spend money time, like, let's break out, let's, you know, dip from responsibility time because I made it. Yeah. Sorry. Life, life has smoked. a way of not letting you do that. It's funny because I think... Did we just go like super deep, by the way? It lets you do it. Like, I've let you do it. Here's the thing. It just it doesn't work out. Yeah, like us as like short-term thinking humans, we're like, okay, the point of life is to like work and then retire. Get to a point where right. I can relax. Yeah. But that's not the point. Like mm-hmm. it seems that the point is progression. The point is to continue to experience things. And I it seems so. that you just can't grow unless stuff breaks every now and then, right? Like you just can't. And it's weird because we're always so shocked. We're like, something went bad, I can't believe it. But that's like, in the super sketchy mortal world, that's like what happens, Yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, if you look at everything, that everything's in an R&D phase, then you can only improve, you know? Like, product's never perfect. The system's never perfect. The flow and the efficiency, it's never perfect. And there's lots of good layouts and there's lots of good structure and lots of places to start from and get a lot of really good information, mentors to follow um, and pull tips from. But ultimately you gotta, you know, you kinda gotta make those tweaks, you know, one, to just believe in it. You gotta own it. You know, I was, I was watching some pipe writers the other day, both pros, um, I won't say their names, but they, it's insane to watch them ride these big pipes. They're 22 feet tall, the walls. And I'm a little injured and weak, but I get to just the lip of those things. And I'm going so fast that I want to just, it's so fear-based for me. And if you get hung up on top of a 22 foot, like. Yeah, and even like you pop out just an inch too far, then instead of like catching perfect transition, you just fell. 10 extra feet yeah. still get some transition but your air even though you're like this high off the ground yeah. just turned into a 10 foot free fall and but my point is like one one these pros right at different levels even a pro that can do all of the tricks if the pipe is perfect and then there's the pro that can do all the tricks when the pipe is perfect and when the pipe sucks yeah. and that's like the separation between those two so you have a pro that can even win every single event, but it's because they go into the events where the cutter is money and they know they get a perfect pipe because of who's cutting it, you know? And then you just have those, those people who are just like, you know what, it's not the pipe that's gonna stop me from winning this. Like if I'm in, I'm winning hmm. and that's the thing. And so it was interesting to see, I saw it right in front of me, you know, two people riding it totally different, both ripping, but one owning it and the other giving what only what it gave him. Yeah. It's so interesting when you can watch two people, like when you have a pretty controlled environment where it's like, okay, roughly the same age, roughly the same background, roughly the same equipment, 
riding the same pipe, different programming, completely different experience. Absolutely. You know? Yep. And that's, you know, back to that pro thing, like, you just level, you level up when you're looking for the holes, you know, in other people's process. And it's not to point out a negative, it's to improve on a positive. Yeah. And if it is all negative, then either delete it or improve it to where what it's something. It the dog stare or whatever? Dogger stare. The dogger the stare. Do you think it's good? As is nicknamed, the d- dogger. Dogger. Yeah. The dogger stare, stare, you know, look him in the eye and, you know, disarm him. And ask him the question. Yeah, ask him the question and and don't flinch. Like, that confidence is what, you know, I'm sure it's confidence that sells things door to door. That confidence and that wit and that kind of, that flow. Like, don't go in with a script. You know, have a plan. Be fluid. Like, move with the, you know, the client. You're starting to put client, it together. You're right? starting to. You're starting to. You're becoming one, dude. You're starting yeah. to like. Put but the I mean, that's together. it. It's it's just like. But like you said, the similarities to this, to snowboarding, to. I don't know, building software. Everything, you know, yeah. like what's what's going to make you better than everyone else, and it's all just those tiny little tweaks. It's super interesting. Like, hear your mindset. Like, see you here, right, and then back there on the, on that video screen. But like to hear your mindset and and know where you've been in your career and like your profession and it's like it's almost like the mindset got you there it's it's and and we do these podcasts with different people and it's almost like their mindset got them there Mm. sure they have the skills sure that you develop the skills in snowboarding but it's almost like you develop the mindset first and then the skills in snowboarding just come along with what you're doing well, it's yeah, software it and hardware. It. Yeah, software, right? hardware. The That's hardware will do what the software tells it to do. Yeah. And if the software is a little buggy, the hardware is going to glitch, right? And so it's like, it, it is, you were talking earlier, we'll wrap up with this because we started when it was light and now it's very dark. But when... Um, I'm still interested. Yeah. I'm still interested too. How long do these go? <laughs> I do got to pick, pick up my little yeah. soccer. So right. here, here's the interesting thing. You were talking about going to those spots and still thinking you can do them. But then if you strapped in, there would be a little bit of fear. There would be a little For bit sure. of question. You would wonder if your leg was strong. It's the same thing when our guys go in to like lead a group. Like the ones that come in and say, I can do this. I know I can do this. I've prepared for this. I'm strong. I've been through a lot of things. I'm 100% that person has a very different outcome than someone that looks the same, talks the same, but in his head he's like, I hope this works. I don't know if it'll work. I'm scared, right? And so I always think about that software hardware. This body will do what the brain tells it to do. Yeah. You just have to get this locked in. Yeah, throw you know the I mean? signal, find the signal, and they're different on different things, you know? And But yeah, I'm, I agree. It's, you know, it's a mental game. It really is almost more than anything you know if your mind's right if you're looking at it your perspective has to change it has to like move with your life and flow with you know the things that are coming at you you know family changes your life you know that for an example you know and then how how do you adjust the flow of things how do you keep that same programming and or take the good things and tweak on it so that you can still do what you need to do for your family and be there the way that you want to be there, you know, and if you want to be there. I did, and it was, you know, but it's just the space, the mental space. I don't know how I'd do it now. Like, some, my wife asked me, she's like, how, how did you ever do that? She got a glimpse of it the other day. She hadn't 
got. I don't know what hit her, but she was just like. She said, "How did you ever do what? Like, how did you, you ever leave and just like, how did you ever just leave all the time and then oh. come back? Like, it must have been hard. Like, it finally hit her because like, at the leave time, home, you leave mean, home, leave home and traveling, and go do your yeah, work. just kind of being away and so focused and and um, you know, it was. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't they know say, if I, I heard do you, it again. I read this book about um, the Navy SEALs, and it's like that's such a hard thing. And those guys operate at a mentally such a high level. Totally. But the seals always leave at night. They never say goodbye to their family. Like they never like kiss their daughters goodbye. Cause you just, you, that's a different story, right? Yeah. You know. So what they do is they, yeah, like yeah, you know they different. they get on the, the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well they get on the cargo plane in the middle of the night, and then that way they can do their job and come back and be yeah. with them. You know. But no, it makes sense. I mean, you, you have that. You know, what's the signal? What's going to get you in your mindset? Like, is the kiss going to? keep that on your mind is that can be what you're thinking about when you're going to war you know yeah. for me it was that was a huge you know they were my that got you the front yeah they were kind of my armor for my mm. war you yeah. know every time I went to the streets or a film trip it was it was war because it was like there was a we were going there for this time sun's looking good let's clip up and feast. get out of there let's feast and be gone like it wasn't, it wasn't bro trips. We're not going to hang out. Like we're going to do work, yeah. you know. And it was like, you know, back to the sales thing. Let's draw that comparison again. Like hit the neighborhood, and it's like, let's go. This is war. Let's hit it hard. We know when it ends. We know our time frame. Let's get in what we can, you know. And then we're out. We're closing on that. That was yeah, fantastic. This has been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, develop us. develop the stingray, and then we'll come come do it for our sales group. We'd yep. love that. Sounds good, All right? In. Well, I got what doesn't kill you doesn't kill you. Do you oh want yeah, me to come do that. Let's, let's do it. Burton, you made a mistake. Hey, let's do it. <laughs> you made a mistake. <laughs> Throw it at him. You just lost six hundred bucks every seven years from this guy. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. No, but for real, Jeremy, thank you so much I got for sharing. Five kids, it's like every year, man. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but our first contact regarding Jeremy coming and sharing his story was yeah. before I came to Solar. It was like two thousand like. 12. Well, I had the idea, yeah. like, I wanted you to come speak to our group, and we had uh, just never put it together. But the yeah. story's better now, and I'm, I'm so glad yeah, that you can come so share with us. So, yeah, yeah, now we got good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Excited well, to see what you. comes next, man. Thank you so much for sharing, and thank you guys for joining us. This has been another episode of Electric People. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.